Welcome to Creativity and Chaos, a 1L2N podcast. I am Amy, and we are joined by some techno-colored people today. Mike. Green. Neon. Tommy. I'm black and white. Why am I black and white? And our technetic of guests, Missy and Liam. I'm Violet. Violent. No, no, I want peace. We are a family of creative, colorful people going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? I watched the House of Dragons three episodes that are out, and then I watched the Lord of the Rings two episodes that are out, and then I started Rome, and that's a pretty decent show, and I've been watching some other crap on there, so I've been having a very busy week. Uh, There's there's three episodes of Lord of the Rings out. I know, I've only watched two. Goodness, you've watched so much TV. Yeah. How do you do this? It's like six hours. It was laying in bed. Sleep. Yeah. Well, oh. we want so Aaron and I last night watched the first episode of House of Dragon and then I'm sorry, uh, got hot D. And then we watched we hot, but... two Could episodes. Be got hotty. Yeah. No, it's got hot D. Okay. Oh, oh, you got hot, bud? No, no, I got hot oh, D. You got a hot D? Yeah. <laughs> That is that they should have figured out a better abbreviation for the show. <laughs> Did you got hot D? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I have not been watching that much TV. I am struggling to get through the third season of Peaky Blinders. And then on top of that, I'm pretty sure my wrist is still sprained. It's doing a ding. So I haven't been doing any Where's your brace? It's somewhere around here. Yeah, I have like been how you doing said any... your, your wrist is sprained, then you're just like flopping it about like, this is totally <laughs> normal. It probably won't hurt it. <laughs> so I haven't been, the reason why I say that is because usually I, uh, the only time I watch TV is when I'm working out and I have not been doing any upper body. So it's like half of my, my, my watch TV workout time is done for and I've been trying to watch. Ugh, it, I don't like it. I don't like the third season. It's not of? a good season. The third season of? Peaky Blinders, didn't I say I was watching? I was mm-hmm. struggling to get through it. Yeah. Oh, I maybe you did, and I wasn't paying attention. I was like, I'm really thirsty. I should probably take a sip of water. <laughs> uh, My that's, bad. That's what I've been doing. Although I will say, I haven't said this on the podcast. I've been running five Ks recently, and this is the first time I've. I've ran 5Ks. I try to incrementally increase my runs every single time. And it feels really good when my watch tells me, fast is 5K. I'm like, thank you, watch. Thank you for telling me. I feel so good about myself now. <laughs> That's been fun. So what's your, what's your time? I, I, expose yourself to the internet. It's not the best. I think it's like 9, 10, I think, was my fastest. It's, I think it's no pretty much mile. average. No, I'm saying not, or yeah, the average pace for each mile was 910 i forget i don't know how you describe it but whatever i'm I'm not really running for speed i'm running for more endurance so i know liam's fastest mile is pretty good like really low five yeah that's pretty there's a difference between fastest mile when you just run one mile compared to running multiple so yeah yeah yeah. time yourself sometime on just one mile i i think my fastest mile it's still not that fast. I think it was like 750. It's still substantially better, but I ain't on that Liam scale yet. I think my fastest mile was 810, and then I was about nine minutes for when I was running five and 10 Ks for average. Mm. So. Nice. Now I can't do anything because I hurt my back trying to put a stupid dog harness on my dog. <laughs> so. Ah, the perks are getting older. Yeah. According to my doctor, Mr. Webb. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Mr. Yeah. Worldwide? Yeah. I probably have a herniated disc. And then a real doctor would be like, oh. you're an idiot. You just do better in life. Like, thank you, Mr. Webb. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the doctor if it doesn't get better because Aaron keeps telling me, you should go. It's getting worse. It's like, that's only because I'm not doing anything to fix it. I was having a discussion with dad this week and we were talking about the reasons why women usually live longer than men. And I wanted to actually like look up some some actual like regular reasons rather than just like ideas that we had off the spread of our head. And one of the reasons said it's not necessarily scientifically proven, but it it said women, if something is not feeling good or if they're not feeling well at all, they tend to go to the doctors, whereas men tend to say, ah, I'm sure it'll fix itself. Oh, no, I, I, that that, <laughs> I do not funny. think that this is going to fix itself. I think it's going to continue to be bad until I'm like, all right, fine. I know we have insurance, but I'm still going to have to pay to go to the doctor and I'm on a tight budget. So I think the reason why I don't go to the doctor is because I, you know, healthcare is expensive. Yeah, that's true. Really is. If it was, you know, modernized and centralized and <laughs> an easy to use system, then I perhaps would go to the doctor like many other people and avoid long term problems. So this week, <laughs> so that job that I was talking about last podcast, I actually got. So yay for, for having income again. Woo. So I don't start till the end of the month, but very excited. There's a, a lot that I had to do to get like background checks and stuff going. So as long as I pass the background check, which I don't know why I wouldn't. Anyways, I got a job and then I went disc golfing with Tommy and it was a lot of fun. And oh, I totally forgot about that. I'm just going to touch on it because we went disc golfing with six people total, I think. And two of them yeah. were really new and it was a lot of fun. And we just had like the perfect amount of discs that everyone could have it. Uh, like have a bunch of this to play with so it was, it was stupid we were all being really dumb we were all practicing throws and it got it took us so long to get through all of it that we had to leave early because it got dark <laughs> and it was in the woods and we're like i'm not finding these discs <laughs> we better go <laughs> we were having a hard time finding them in the daylight so <laughs> yeah it's gonna be impossible <laughs> let's see here uh i'm sure everyone knows i've been fighting covid for the last month Actually, I don't um, think we mentioned that. I No, that's true. I mentioned that she was sick. Yeah. Okay, I've been fighting COVID for the last month. The first week, I thought I was going to die. It was really, really horrific. And every day, it's like, Amy, it's like when you roll your dice, except instead of the numbers being assigned to who gets to say what or do what, the numbers are assigned to which symptoms I get that day. And instead of it being one dice, it's like a dozen. Just trying to ignore it at this point because I still have to work. I'm very grateful that my employers are allowing me to work from home or else I wouldn't be able to function. Let the podcast know I did not give it to her. He didn't. It wasn't him. <laughs> it was a co-worker. I know who it was, too. Oh, no. Revenge they've, gone on the be had. they've gone on the book of grudges. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of the worst, well, the worst symptoms, thankfully, are, are gone. I no longer feel like I got hit by a truck, but there's a lot of things that just keep cycling back and cycling back. My throat will just hurt for days for no reason. Like right now, I have a pounding headache. 
and my chest aches like someone's sitting on it or pushing their knee into my ribs amongst other things but one positive side thing savory food tastes so good now i had <laughs> no food? idea savory oh like savory. lots of seasoning mixes oh my gosh they they taste like more than just garlic and salts they taste amazing it's I can't really taste a lot of sweet stuff, but savory stuff. Oh my gosh. It tastes like what I remember food tasting like as a child. So thank you, COVID, for bringing back some of my taste buds. <laughs> That's cool, at least. It's weird, but I'll take it. <laughs> Trying to be positive. And then on top of that, uh, my company is in the middle of budget. So I've been working constantly to write our big, huge, massive budget for next year that's due in a few days. So my whole life Ooh. is COVID, budget, budget, COVID. That's my, that's my world. That's your world. Nothing exciting. Liam is not a part of that. What? what? Oh, you know. Your world is budget getting, COVID? I haven't been getting COVID the past month. So. so grateful. I mean, you know, he hasn't cool. shown any of the symptoms. I'm, I'm just so, he probably is a carrier. Liam's say, smirking Liam. like an asshole right now. Why? Uh, why haven't you gotten COVID? Because I'm immune. Oh. You know, my defensive cells kill the COVID cells too quickly for them to do anything. So oh. apparently, he just outruns <clears throat> COVID. Built different, exactly. <laughs> Only one year to not have like, it. That's the song he plays for COVID. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Okay, so today. I wanted to talk about the concept of good art, bad artists. There is a bunch of controversy over a movie called Don't Worry, Darling. And there's so many like he said, she said moments. Olivia Wilde is directing it. And everyone's going back and forth with the drama. I'm not going to bore you with the details of the drama because that's not the point. The point is I saw somebody comment on this and they said, no matter what, if it's a good movie, why is any of this relevant? Now, I think it's relevant because a lot of people are like, oh, it's like publicity and, you know, people love drama and gossip. Sure. But that got me thinking, like that comment had said, if the art is good, what does it matter what the artist did? And I think that that's a really interesting concept because... There are a lot of directors and writers and painters and actors and actresses and blah, 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 that are kind of terrible, crappy people. And I think in this day and age, a lot of people are very quick to cancel them. But does that mean that their art should never see the light of day as well? If we still have works of art from way back when done by problematic people, but we still consider them timeless classic pieces of art. I don't know. That's what I want to know. Let me think. Let me know what you think that we could discuss and we have a little discussion about. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's go. I don't know. Because it's it's super difficult to, like, I feel like you have to scale it, but then scaling how bad a person is versus how good their art is. Like, if I told you, Harvey Weinstein was the producer on Lord of the Rings. Would you stop watching Lord of the Rings? Like that's like it's like oh it's it's such a hard question to ask because <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it's like you really have to think about it. Yeah, me personally, I don't have to think about it. I think it's quite easy to separate the art from the artists. And I'm like, man, this art is really good, even though it's made by an absolutely terrible person. 
I'll just enjoy it. However, I would always enjoy it, but I wouldn't go around saying, oh, that person's terrible. Or I wouldn't go around saying, oh, this person's great because they made this great thing. I would go around saying, oh, they're a terrible person. They shouldn't make anything more and they shouldn't, they don't deserve, you know, good things from their life, depending on how terrible the thing that they've done. But what they've already done is great in its own way and I'll enjoy it. And I think it'll be a good time. I think to me personally, it's very easy to separate art from the artist. I think you can easily separate the art from the artist, but does that mean that the artist gets to be rewarded from the art when they've also done something terrible in the future? So my, you know, classic easy example would be Bill Cosby, right? He he's made some absolutely amazing comedy and that cannot really be denied, but he is also a sexual predator and a monster. Do we allow people that use their positions of power to then keep profiting off of those positions of power through that art? Because if if somebody like Bill Cosby, through his art, made a bunch of money and got into a position of power and then started drugging people because he knew he'd get away with it with that power, if we still continue to support the art, that supports him. So it's a, it's a difficult thing to say. If a person's bad, I can separate the art and the artist because it never truly is. The art and the artist are always part of each other. So, you know, it's I do believe it's it's a case by case basis, obviously. And it's a it's a tough one. It's a really, really hard question to to figure out what level of influence does an artist or producer or, you know, musician or whatever have on the overall effect of of whether the art should be enjoyed anymore. Has anyone seen the movie Anonymous? I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to spoil the heck out of it. Wait, should you? I don't know know that I should, but I think it's relevant (laughs) to our conversation. The idea, it's Shakespeare. And a person who is not Shakespeare wrote all of Shakespeare's works. But he dishonored the queen so much that his punishment was his name would never be put with his art. And instead, his works were given to William Shakespeare. And William Shakespeare was a drunk, lazy jester or something that became famous off of this other guy's works because he was then considered bad. I don't remember what he did to like have this happen. But I like that kind of concept of like, well, maybe these people shouldn't ever have their name associated with their art anymore. Because you're saying the art and the artist are very hard to separate. And I think that that is very true. But what if something like that happened where it's, I mean, I guess in uh, the age of technology, that is very difficult to do to completely erase somebody's name off of of a piece of art, whether it's, you know, written, painted, whatever. But one thing, if it's like somebody sat down and made art, you know, sculpture or painting, if the person is in the art like in mike's example with bill cosby he is in it you know if maybe it was a writer producer or something you can take their name off of things but it's a lot harder when they are a star within the product i suppose one thing you could do is if you're producing like a show or a movie you can have in the contract you know morality clauses which i know are used where if you get convicted of XYZ, then you, you lose, you forfeit all of your revenue stream from it, and we take your name off of everything. I think that would help with at least some of it, but it still then becomes an individual decision of do I 
continue to consume this art. I think when you consume an art, you are and and praise it. You are inherently praising the person who made that art, even if that's not your intention. So maybe it becomes something where you privately enjoy it, but you ignore it publicly. I don't know. <laughs> now I've been thinking about this. There's a movie I just recently watched, and it is a noir style film, and it's hailed as like a really fantastic film. But I'm not going to say what the name of it is because at that point it would be. It would be promoting it and there's somebody involved in this production that has had legal action against them for for some very bad things and if i went out and said hey you know i watched this and i really enjoy this film then everybody else goes out and watches it that person is probably still going to get royalties from that and it is a way to say we don't have to keep promoting this sort of item anymore yeah we, we can try and ignore it. it it was a fantastic film but it doesn't mean that there aren't other fantastic films out there yeah, that are also noirs, thinking. you know, but we, we can clearly, I think, say some art is good. Some mm. some art does not need to be shown anymore. There's so many. Yeah. To like choose from that. It's OK to let some stuff just go away. Do we also then say and here's here's the devil's advocate side of that. If we're all if we're always trying to go back into the past and censor what was there do we learn anything from what we came from what we used to do as a species and how bad it used to be if we're always saying well we're not going to talk about that film or that book or anything anymore because it doesn't fit our current morality or should we temper it through a specific lens and say this is you know we give a, a preface basically to say before you watch this, this was a different time and we don't agree with this stuff anymore. And, you know, just to let you know, there are those things that would be that basically like a trigger warning, so to speak, to say, hey, this this stuff has changed in our, our, like our opinions. I think maybe in some of these cases, the art should move from the entertainment perspective to the educational perspective, maybe not so much praising it in the same way we used to or even at all but to say hey this is a really brilliant work but here's the result of that person and we need to talk about it and we need to learn from it so that we don't prop up people again who whether they take advantage of other people or you know whatever it is like we need to stop promoting people who are just awful people just because they did something that we like doesn't mean that they earn a free pass in life. I kind of want to go to Liam's point where he was talking about how he can separate the art from the artist. What if you get inspired by a book that turns out is actually written by a terrible person and the book has nothing to do with what that terrible person wrote? Sorry, what that ter- what the author did has nothing to do with it. But you get inspired off of that book. You get inspired by their words. You get inspired by whatever they wrote. Does that cross like a weird morally gray area then? Because you're now being inspired by somebody who did something terrible, even if you don't believe in their actions, but you do believe in their work? 
I'm going to say no. And the reason is. You're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because all of us, every person on this planet gets inspiration from the community they live in or the things they're exposed to. And everything that you were exposed to was inspired by something else. And it all trickles back through history and is interconnected. There's no real source of inspiration that is sole and unique and wasn't somehow inspired by something else unless you're sitting out in nature and looking at something untouched by humans which looking at nature these days is pretty difficult to do i'd also say there's probably a pretty big difference between being inspired by something and then paying homage to it yeah so if if this terrible book that you read inspired you and the lead character's name was jack and then you want to write a book with the lead character's name of jack to pay homage to that book, even though you know the book was wrong or you know inspired, that there's a different level there because not only are you you're inspired by it, but you can take inspiration from multiple sources all at once. But paying homage is now saying like, "Hey, I'm going to go ahead and and give a little bit of credit to something that I know that I shouldn't." Well, what I was saying is, what if the art that you're inspired by is is fine? It is totally fine. It is good. It is great. But the person who made it is the bad thing, is the bad, terrible person. But you're being inspired off of this artwork that by itself is totally fine. Is then, and say you do an homage to this artwork that's made by a terrible person, but the artwork again itself is fine. Like, is that then what you're saying? Is that kind of wrong? Because you're in being inspired by somebody who was terrible. I, I think you have to take a moral and ethical stand on it. If you know that the work that somebody, even if the work was was quality and there was nothing wrong with it, but the person that made it was a terrible human being, you need to figure out morally or ethically if you want to represent that in your own work, you know, because yeah. there are plenty of other artists and musicians and writers and anything that have works that are really good that we don't seek out because everybody's like, oh, you got to watch this one thing. You got to listen to this one thing. It is it is truly inspirational. But if we find out that inspirational item was actually from a, a storied background, then we can we can switch and say, hey, maybe we can look for inspiration in other spots. Like It's not like we're limited in our artistic approach nowadays yeah. in terms of finding sources of inspiration. I mean inspiration just happens it's not like you can control what will inspire you if you happen to have read something and then later on find out oh this person is actually horrible and it inspired you to make your own beautiful work of art because it triggered some kind of creative idea in you it it's not that you sought out someone evil to be inspired by you simply were inspired by something that that person had created what if the artists themselves were a good person, but the art was something terrible? And I guess the, well, the example- Why are you of, consuming terrible? Well, the example that I can give <laughs> is statues, right? All the time yeah. we see statues that were erected celebrating people that probably should not have been celebrated. You know, the biggest ones that's been in the news in the past several years are, are Confederate soldiers and generals and stuff like that. And when you look at the ideals behind it, you have to question why that art was put up in the first place, when it was actually put up for some historical context, oftentimes decades after the events actually happened. And then do we have a responsibility to leave statues up even though our morals have changed? I don't see any reason why we would. You can't just keep something up and say, 
well, the past, you know, is harsh to deal with, but we need to keep this for historical reference. We, we, we are humans. We can, we can terraform yeah. this world that we've, we've already done. There, there, a statue is not stopping us from, from moving on as a species, and we should be able to, to change it to celebrate our current morals and ideals as opposed to, to past ones. But I don't think we all should, should erase the idea of those statues. We need to understand why we took them down. Yeah, it's documenting and educating. I think it's a lot easier when the art represents something bad and not the artist. It's a lot easier to remove a statue from public land or take a painting down in a museum than it is to say, oh, this is a beautiful work of art, but the person behind it was horrible. I wonder how many paintings and novels and and I'm sure movies, I'm sure there's so many movies that were written, painted, directed, blah, 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 by people that were absolutely disgusting human beings, but we have no idea because it's just been lost within history because their accomplishments have outgrown all of the the bad things that they've done. It's it's also pretty much guaranteed that everybody who's ever made art and the history of art was probably a disgusting human being because our morals evolve throughout time, right? Very true. So we could always find something that some person has done that we really despise, and then we could chastise them for all time for doing it. So yeah, it is difficult. And then speaking of, of morals, it also depends upon how you view it. I would say as an artist, Eminem, you have a wide populace of people that think Eminem is a amoral, terrible person should not be allowed to put music out there. And then you have a huge, huge number of people that are super fans and think that the man is a genius. So where do we end up like morally when the artist has created stuff that has pushed the genre forward in in crazy ways, but also people disagree with the morals? Do we just then say, well, we have to throw it all out because some people disagree with it? Just posing a question in like a devil's advocate way because it's a really tough, (laughs) it's a tough. um, I just wanted a fun conversation and this has gotten all out of hand. Oh, this is so much fun for me because I love, I love those moral quandaries (laughs) where you're like, I I agree with Liam. I can, I can separate the art and the artist completely, but then I have to go back and say, should I? And that's the hard part. There's a difference between personal consumption and public consumption. I can sit down and watch something by myself and ignore the artist that was involved with it right and just enjoy the art for itself but in public am i praising that artist or that work of art thus giving the artist praise but even then you could also have like that could also be considered praising even if you're doing it in private you're still consuming their media you're just not doing it in front of the public eye, which some people could say makes you a hypocrite or a liar. I'm not. I'm. I'm not trying to attack. I'm just again posing. I'm not saying praise in public versus condone in public, but maybe just don't discuss it at all in public. Oh, it's I not see hypocritical. It's just. It's not a topic you bring up. You don't give it a, a voice. You don't give it attention. Mm. You just let it fade. And I'm thinking specifically of like watching a TV show or a movie that, you know, an actor who has been convicted of something, right, or or is in trouble for something is in. Privately, I might enjoy that. 
and be able to separate the art from the artist in it. And I don't find that to be too difficult, but publicly, I'm not going to give it any attention. I'm not, I'm also not going to go out there and go, oh, it's a horrible thing and nobody should watch it because then that does make me a hypocrite. But I'm just not going to give it voice. I think it was this WB that did like all the Looney Tunes cartoons, right? And I believe on their online like media platforms, they actually have their full collection of cartoons, like all of the old ones as well. That would be considered super racist and super problematic. But they wanted to show their entire collection, not to say like, oh, yeah, look at all the stuff we've done, but to say, hey, this is a part of our history, whether we're proud of it or not. This is part of our history. And I know that they have put warnings in front of those older ones in particular that said these are sensitive because they are older and not in tune with like our values of who we are now. But I thought that that was interesting because it is acknowledging your history, not trying to, to wipe it underneath the table, but to also acknowledge this is this can be problematic. So like watch at your own risk kind of thing. I mean, I don't know if they said watch at your own risk, but it's the idea. Yeah. So maybe well now that's their that's the their own company doing that rather than just like one artist doing that. But that could be a way to uh, well no, because that's different because it's like problematic art. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. It's almost like there okay, there needs to be a, uh, a semi-case-by-case assessment, and we have to assess it not only as the people that are putting out the art, as producers and directors and stuff like that, of, of your own things, uh, copyright holders in general. You know, So let's say Song of the South from Disney. They obviously don't have that out anymore, and for variously good reasons. Like That is not a movie that needs to be out there as a as a representation of what it was like for black people in the south you know especially after their slavery because it's it's a terrible representation of that so they have decided we are not going to put that out anymore and that's totally fine because they they're the the property right owners of that not property rights you know what i'm talking about uh intellectual property rights there we go yeah but then again if there's something that offends us and we are consuming that art we also cannot watch it we can also not read it and if it's super offensive we can then tell people hey maybe we shouldn't actually yeah. you know participate in this maybe you shouldn't either that goes back to the art being the thing that's offensive as opposed to the artist yes yeah in that specific instance with like song of the south yeah it's it's definitely the the art is but we also don't really know the intentions of the the artist behind it if we found out that it was supposed to be a super racist representation then it's like doubly bad and there's definitely no way you know <laughs> but I, I doubt that's actually the case so I, yeah i don't know it's a, it's a it's a hard position to judge yourself on the merit of an art based upon the actions of the artist yeah it is it does feel like it is case by case and it's it's hard because especially if someone puts out something so beautiful or so life altering for you personally, like it can be hard to be like, ah, oh, but this was made by such a terrible person, you know, Dagnabbit. Dad did it with the police. The police was like one of his favorite bands. And he thinks yeah. that the police had like satanic messages in their albums or something. So he got rid of all their albums. Yeah, he brought them into the youth group Sunday school class and broke them in front of all of them to show as an example, like you have to 
if you think something is bad, you have to separate yourself from it. And that's also an interesting road to go down as well. Like you were saying earlier, Mike, how with Eminem, there's a group of people that praise him and there's a group of people that hate him. And I think a lot of times religion in whatever capacity that may be, they have their own set of morals and standards for how somebody should be. And that their idea of who is terrible or not is going to be different than a What's the person who doesn't believe in religion, not believe in God as atheist? What's the other one? Like an agnostic or? Yeah. Non-believing in general, because it could be non-believing of your individual faith and believing of a different one. Just somebody who thinks differently about faith than you do. Yeah. So a, a religious person, whatever capacity, is going to have different morals and different values of who is a good like who is a good artist or good person compared to a non-believing person. And I think that that is also another interesting layer when it comes to trying to evaluate who we think is good or not. Because a non-believer might say, this person's fine, but a believer might say, they absolutely are not. And the opposite could also be true. So I think that is interesting as well, especially within cancel culture culture nowadays. At some point, everybody's got to be canceled, right? We just cancel everyone. Everyone just sits in a corner, shuts up, doesn't say a thing, right? That's that's how it works. An interesting thing that we as society often fail to consider, and that's everybody has done something effed up during their life. Some people way more than others, but when we look at things historically, we often look at it through the lens of, you know, through the, what is it, the rose-tinted glasses, right? Sepia lenses. And we don't have good documentation or access to information about what these artists have done because there's just nothing there. But today, in the age of information, find out everything about anyone and it makes it seem like everyone's so bad these days, but everyone's always been so bad. You just have to figure out what your line is that once someone crosses this line, that's when you're no longer going to support or engage or consume. Like it, everyone has to kind of make their own individual decision because everyone holds different things. Like Amy was saying, different morals based on their beliefs or their experiences. But we just have to stop and remember that it seems like all these things are, are fresh or new or horrible only because it's so easy to find out about them or to catch people. Like we have cameras, we have video recording, we can catch people all the time with stuff. They didn't have that back then. So all these people that we hold up in praise as being these great artists, they're probably all screwed up too. I think it will definitely come to a point too when we expect people, especially if they are behind a lens of some sort so to speak they have to be perfect at all times for everything and because we are so divisive about how we view somebody who disagrees with us now that they must be like the worst person in the world you know amongst the five of us here we all have disagreements in we have differences in our morality but we're bonded together because we're family and we we know each other but it's harder to do with a stranger and I think that eventually we will come to realize that as a society that that it's okay to have differences with people, you know, and it's okay for people to screw up in the past as long as they try to rectify those situations. I fear for the future if we continue on the same path and especially 
younger generations have to grow up under that incredible amount of scrutiny and then they can't grow from that they're always going to be scrutinized by what they did in the past stuck yeah you have no chance to to fall down and learn from your mistakes because all it takes now is one mistake and that's it you're screwed Mm -hmm. not saying there shouldn't be consequences for mistakes but that's also part of the learning process but you have to give people a chance to make things right yeah i I think that's definitely the the big thing is we have to understand if somebody tries to make amends and it is you know proportional to the the harm that they did maybe we should consider that amends maybe we should go you know what this person really messed up in the past you know it is it is huge in religious circles and i don't care what religion it is for somebody to have a testimony that's my past where I was a criminal and then I changed all my ways and now I'm trying to make amends and preach or, or be a witness. And every single religion is the same way. They, they love that story of a criminal turning to a good guy. So why can't we accept that as artists if they decide to actually turn to the good guy and do a proportional amends? We love that in our superhero films or action films or drama or whatever the that classic redemption story but if it's the actor going through it well then screw him he's he can never be in the face of public again that's actually a pretty good point is we we love a good redemption arc in our stories absolutely but if you're human if you're not a fictional character, you don't get that redemption arc. That doesn't make any sense. Well, rage is easier than compassion for certain. Oh, yeah. We are definitely stuck in a age of rage. It's like ace age of rage. Base. Rage age. Like a good band, ace of base. You know, the other thing I was thinking of is <laughs> artists can be uncanceled, right? And here's a, a good example of where we can look back and say, okay, that was wrong. We definitely did the wrong thing there. And that's like the McCarthyism error. The idea that Hollywood people were being attacked because they liked or they supported like communist movements and they could have done it privately amongst each other and be like, yeah, we need to get together. But then all of a sudden they were blacklisted from being used in Hollywood just because of their political views that they held privately. And we can at the time go, this is appropriate. You know, this is the morals of the day is to, to blacklist them and to cancel them. But then later on, we can realize, OK, maybe just because they had a political view that was different, maybe we shouldn't have attacked them. And we can then look at the works of art that they made and try to give more credence to it. But of course, once you cancel somebody for some reason, it's it's hard to ever decide to make a, you know, a comeback. Almost everybody that was blacklisted there probably never worked in Hollywood again, and they might have been incredibly talented in whatever field they were in. So I was listening to a podcast specifically about kind of the way they were wording certain things in country music. And at least this particular episode name was the Nashville Nashville Revolution. And Bobby Braddock, Don Schlitz, I don't know how to say that, or Don Henry, they were all on it. And they were talking about how it was very, you know, divisive and controversial at the time to use the words like God and country right next to each other, like in a sentence specifically for, for country music at the time. Like, you could not use that. You used that, and it was, uh-uh, no, you got to change that lyric. And it's really interesting how, I guess, Hollywood and Nashville and other uh, music studios in general, they, they dictate what you are going to put out because ultimately people find that more, I don't know, when you're, like, more political or more, like, 
quote-unquote extreme, depending on what you're believing. They just won't listen to it immediately. So, like, having, essentially having God and country next to, like, in the lyrics next to each other would deter people from listening to it because you had God and country in there. And I Mm. found that. That was interesting. I remember that episode, and it was talking specifically about a song, and they were trying to represent a character in a song, and that was like yep. one of the best ways to do it was to explain those two specific things. The podcast is called Broken Record, I believe. Yeah. So go check it out. You know, it's our free plug for the day. It's it's a it's a pretty interesting one if you're into the music industry. And they were trying to to tell a story from a character's point of view. And it was very difficult to get pushed back. But now if you think about it, if if you don't have God and or country in a country song currently, the, it will it'll never top. It'll never do anything. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I will say, as I'm watching Got Hot D and I'm watching the Rings of Power, Rop or Trop, <laughs> I guess. And I'm also watching Trop. Rome. Motard Rome, I think, is more interesting to me overall. It's pretty good. Yeah, because it actually happened. It's a dramatic representation of what happened. Yeah, mo- most of the characters yeah. are like historical. And then I believe that the two yeah. soldiers that you see the most, uh, Titus Polos and the other guy, they're they're fake, I believe, right? Uh, I thought one of them was. I thought one of them was. Men- right, yeah. I think Polis was mentioned in some letter or document somewhere oh. historically. And so they kind of built a character around some of these people that were referenced, but they had no real information on. Well, I'll say this. This has nothing to do with our previous conversation. It's just something I noticed while watching all three of these and like different shows. Shows have to do a lot of work to properly establish drama and yeah. to, to set dramatic tensions. And I think that each one of those shows does it in a different way. My least favorite of all three of them in terms of setting dramatic tension is probably Throp just because it seems like it's very spot on. And uh, of course it's fantasy. I don't really care. You know, it's, it's a little bit different than a, a mixture of fantasy and, and historical, and I'm putting that in quotations for God hot because it's not really a historical thing, but it's, it's trying to sort of bridge a fantasy historical idea. And then, um, Rome was pretty good because I, I think it's just hurrying along. Like it's, it doesn't spend a lot of time focusing on, character interactions at least in the first two or three episodes and then after that it kind of focuses on those character interactions a little bit more but it's just interesting if you are looking to create a drama i would watch the first three episodes of each one of those series and then just think about the ways in which they set it up so that you get invested in the characters or in situations and want to know more about it because it is it is i believe vastly different in each one but also kind of intriguing. Was that just to add on? Yeah, you can also. That was just me okay. talking because no, no, no. those are the three things that I watched. So in conclusion, be as bad as you want to be as long as you make good art. Is that what I'm saying? Right? Right? Not too bad. Be an anonymous artist. Be an anonymous daddy. Yeah. Then your art Ooh. can't get judged <laughs> based on the artist. What if you are the art as an artist? I mean, I am. Mom and dad created me. Come on. Like, how do we cancel David Blaine? Who is that? <laughs> oh, the magician? Yeah. No, the illusionist. Oh. oh, oh, oh. It's an illusion, Michael. Yeah. That's like performance art, which I would say performance art is way, is like way more directly tied in with the artist than just like a painting or a book or a show. Yeah, it's a lot easier to yeah. just uh-huh. not support. Yeah, that too. Uh, you can. Yeah appreciate i think you especially like 
I mean, I don't know anything about David Blaine. I don't know if we need to cancel him or whatever. But if he's doing a trick that inspires you to want to do magic, but he's a terrible person, maybe just like don't put that in your biography of why you wanted to become a magician. I don't know. It's hard because he hit him doing tricks and like his kind of personality persona that he puts on, I believe is like, it's all kind of the same, right? It's all part of the show. And it's very, I think, hard to separate the two. I was just Whereas, trying to figure out a way to actually get him canceled because, you know. Oh, do you not like Oh, him? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really pay him that <laughs> Well, what about you guys listening? What are your takes on supporting artists who might not be the greatest or supporting the art of artists who might not be the greatest? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Let us know. We want to hear from you. 1L2N Productions where you can find us twitter instagram youtube and reddit and if you want to head on over to our website 1l2nproductions.com we'd love to hear from you there and if you like what we're doing you want to help show your support for what we're doing you can head on over to our patreon which would be much appreciated thank you guys for listening and we are gonna go for the last word of the day finally all the people so i can do normal dice liam take it away never spell words incorrectly by updating the dictionary.